0: Welcome to PR 360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Deisser and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR 360. And I'm your host, Brett Dyser. If you please subscribe to PR 360 and all your favorite podcasting apps, we have a five-star review Let's get to that number one spot in the business category for PR and marketing since, well, the podcast categories don't really differentiate us at all. So we're just PR and marketing. But anyways, I'm here with me with John, John McCartney. He is, he's back, actually. He was here last April to talk about Basically social media for the most part, but this time he's back for different things. And this is going to be more about the peso, not the actual peso from Mexico, but actual peso as an acronym. He's also going to be talking about PR strategy, also about podcasting YouTubers and everything else, but he has 20 years of experience and he's. In San Francisco and New York, leading PR and social media campaigns for a number of technology brands, advertising, marketing, media, entertainment, health, financial, and cannabis industry. So he's got a wide breadth of that one, but we're just happy to have him back. So welcome to the show, John.
1: Brett, thanks so much for having me back on.
0: You're welcome. And even though usually new guests, I ask if your coffee tea drinker, but I'm going to ask, is there anything new that you've tried for coffee or tea?
1: No, I haven't. I'm still coffee. Um, I remember the last time I was on your program, um, I talked about uh, starting to create my own cold brew. But uh, for the most part, every day I just drink like 12 um, ounces of coffee and, you know, I usually make it through one of these like Nespresso machines and just a little like hazelnut creamer and I'm good to go.
0: Gotcha. And then I gave a brief summary of your expertise, but can you give our listeners a little bit more if they didn't see the previous episode about what you do?
1: Yeah. So I've been working in PR and marketing for about 20 plus years uh, between New York, San Francisco, and now in Los Angeles. I started my own boutique agency, JMAC PR, at the beginning of the pandemic. And started as a PR freelancer and very happy to see that my business and agency has grown. Um, we got about maybe eight uh, team members, combination of full and part-timers. Still continuing to work in tech and uh, startups, uh, mostly in the B2B space. Uh, We also rep a couple of digital marketing agencies. And what else? Yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: Mm, are you going to go for anything like your APR, like we talked about pre-show or anything like yes, that?
1: I, I I was mentioning to you before we hopped on, but uh, I am currently on a journey to get my accreditation in public relations. It's been a uh, career goal of mine for a couple of years now. And this past spring, I connected with the Orange County uh, PRSA chapter and joined their study group, and I, uh, as part of the, the journey, I had to put together this panel presentation and present it to three judges who all have their APRs and uh, was able to pass that, uh, which allowed me to move on to the computer-based exam, uh, which I discovered uh, in September uh, that you have to go to a testing center. Um, I went to the one in Anaheim, uh, surprised that there wasn't any testing centers here in Los Angeles, but, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty massive for the, for the test. It's about three hours. Uh, I think about 170 questions, uh, multiple choice. Um, and, uh, unfortunately I didn't pass it this time around. I missed it by four points. But um, I'm back to studying again and uh, looking to do the the, the redo uh, at some point.
0: Gotcha. And then for those that don't know, the APR is basically like the M, I, I joked to the MD of public relations, it gives you kind of like this accreditation of that you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And I got to say that um, studying for this uh, APR, um, it allowed me to... Uh, Sort of discover some some key things um, that I could start uh, using in our PR programs for clients. Um, There's this thing that they call like RPI, which is like research, planning, implementation, and evaluation, and um, and and also just knowing the differences between goals and objectives, and when you come up with an obje- objective. Um, It has to sort of be realistic um, and using that uh, SMART um, acronym, I believe. Um, um, There's got to be a certain goal um, within a certain time frame. And um, but that was one of the key things that I uh, discovered. But um, I think overall, you know, passing that panel presentation and putting that presentation together um, helped um, me sort of figure out that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I know best practices in PR and, and especially from an ethical standpoint. So um, it, it was good to go through that part of the journey. And now it's like the the big exam that I need to pass, because it would be great to say that, yeah, I got my APR and I can update my LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> True. But moving on to what we're going to be talking about is for those unfamiliar, what is the peso? I know people know the peso as the yep. Mexican currency, but what is the peso when we're talking about public relations?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So peso is for a uh, paid media, earned media, social media, and owned media. Um, and my belief when it comes to the peso model is that um For any kind of marketing campaign to really work well, especially a PR campaign, you need to have all four elements working uh, together. So for example, on the earned media side, you can work in getting a placement for a client from an earned standpoint, and then you can use that towards um, amplifying it through social channels. Um, And then also you could use some of that to maybe create your own own content that um, you can have your client create and have it placed on their website so it helps drive traffic to their website um, and it helps w- with the uh, site visits um, and then um, and then the paid media you could also put some media spend on um, either the placement that you uh garnered from an earned standpoint so it, it just feels like if you can have all four elements of the PESA model working, it will uh, provide a lot of value from a PR standpoint.
0: Mm-hmm. And so how do PR pros actually begin to actually do this? Because I know a lot of PR um, for I think modern times or even in the past, PR has always mostly been about earned, maybe a little yeah. bit of paid, but mostly earned media. So how do you get the rest of it to work together and to integrate it into your PR strategy?
1: Yeah, you know, so I think it's, um, I think it's just more just thinking uh, big picture here, having that uh, macro view, uh, and just looking at other ways where you can help promote your client um, into these different channels. So for for us at our, you know, with our team, we uh, our our two basic premises for our clients are to drive awareness and to also start building executive visibility and their thought leadership of the company stakeholders and spokespeople. So on the PR side, uh, we have the earned media covered. And then on the thought leadership side, it's mostly from an own standpoint. So looking to work with clients on creating like, their own byline articles, ghostwritten articles, uh, white papers, reports, all that stuff that we can then leverage from a PR standpoint. And then we have a couple clients who um, are in the B2C space, uh, one of which is um, in consumer electronics. So we um, have a partner who handles paid media. So uh, we'll work with them um, to come in and then, um, We also have worked with clients on amplifying some of the coverage that we're garnering for them and be able to amplify and share that through their social channels. So, But I just think from a PR pro standpoint, you just have to really start expanding um, and and, and also being comfortable that uh, you know that you have these different channels uh, that you could uh, leverage and to be able to come up with these strategies that will help. Um, achieve uh, like our our premises here which is to grow the awareness and to build uh, the executive visibility
0: gotcha and then i mean how do you is there any tips on effectively doing this and effectively integrating with this is is it more about just kind of like you said macro, but is there any type of like micro things that people can do as well? Because the macro is great, but then you got to get into the nitty gritty. And is there any tips for sure. about the nitty gritty?
1: For sure. I think um, I think from a PR standpoint, I think um, it's always about looking um, what other ways can we get our clients in the news or, or be able to uh, resurface them um, with our target media contacts. So, Um, We're always one tactic that we're always looking at on a week to week basis is uh, following the news that matters to our clients. And if we see anything that's breaking, like, for example, uh, we have some clients that are involved in the sort of Facebook advertising space. So if there's anything there that's breaking, then we'll go to our client to say, hey, do you have any commentary that we can then uh, use in some new uh, proactive media pitching to our target media contacts? for possible inclusion, or perhaps we can use that commentary into maybe a new byline article um, that we can create. Um, So, you know, so that's one way from a tactical standpoint, you know, that we're looking uh, to uh, make sure that our clients are um, top of mind with our target media contacts. But going back to the thought leadership standpoint, Uh, So we can take some of their commentary and then maybe use it as a foundation to build a byline article on. Um, And then also, we like to have like intake calls with our clients, spokespeople, just to see from them, like, what are the two to three trends that they're seeing um, that perhaps the media isn't covering? So then we would come up with um, some kind of campaign to focus on those viewpoints that we can then... Get to the media, whether it's just a straight media pitch or something that we can turn to a byline article, um, and then also from a social standpoint, you can use some of the your clients' um, insights to maybe you know maybe we can do like a webinar um, and um, be able to uh, promote that through the social channels, and then also uh, layer in some paid media spend. But I think it's just looking at what you have. Um, and then how do you sort of uh, uh, create, like, these tactics uh, for each of these different channels? Um, and then to and then ultimately create, like, this roadmap uh, that will take you, you know, for each quarter to quarter.
0: And so, I mean, even for, like, boutique PR agencies, are the, this is a, an actual advantage for them because they can move a little bit quicker. They can actually, like, integrate this a yeah. little bit more. Is this like a type of thing that boutique PR firms or agencies should actually like push forward through even more, even if the bigger guys are a little bit slower on this?
1: Absolutely. I feel like there's an opportunity there, especially for uh, boutique agencies like ours. Um, You know, we're in a really good spot because where we've been called, we've been very nimble. We've been very scrappy um uh, you know i think when you when you work with like the bigger agencies i think there is this sort of argument that there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of approvals that have to go through versus me as the agency principal and i'm on the front lines uh working with our clients on a day-to-day basis i can just quickly fire off an email or a slack message to our client like here's an idea what do you think and to be able to just get that thing and and going um, so I do think there are some other benefits, um, from a boutique agency standpoint, um, that I would love to also talk about during this interview.
0: Hmm. And I mean, we're talking about the pace model, we're talking about boutiques, but also, I mean, when we're actually doing these strategies, should the, should the PR pros look at what the company's strengths are for this as well? Cause it looks like it's a lot of these strengths from the company on the content side as, as well for like you said, webinars, for example, if a company's really good at webinars, should you lean into like this type of like strength for them as well as the peso of model, leaning into a lot of the strengths of the company to bring awareness to more people that may not know about them.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like, you know, from a PR standpoint, we can, you know, obviously just do the earn media st- um, part of the PESA model but I also feel like there is an opportunity that you can do much more and expand beyond earned media um, and I think that's something that you know, more agencies aspire to doing um, I think uh, I think the ones who are just focused on PR which is fine Um but but I think there is more that could be done from a PR and marketing standpoint when you could uh, work with clients and let them know, like, here's our philosophy, here's our belief when it comes to PR and, and, and marketing that, you know, we're focused on building that awareness and here's how we do that. And here's how we also focus on building your executive visibility but also letting the clients know like we could also do more on the social media front or we can also do more on the paid media front. And, and also just letting them know like this is what it's called. It's called the pay some model. Um, it works. Um, and when it's all working together, it helps provide more value to what you're looking to achieve from an awareness and uh, thought leadership standpoint.
0: Gotcha. And then with the peso model, will this either exacerbate or help fix the measurement conundrum? Cause the measurement conundrum is a pretty big thing. Even in podcasting, it's, it's all over the place as well.
1: Yeah. You know, my thoughts on measurement is that, uh, I'm not sure if measurement in PR will ever be fixed. Um, and that's the other thing too, that I discovered during this APR journey was that uh, they talked about like, um, um, uh, ad equivalency. And I know, uh, in the beginning stages of my PR journey, uh, there was talk about like, Oh, here, use this formula that will help you come up with the ad equivalency, but, it's something that i just don't believe in and also um it was noted during my apr journey thus far that you know adequacy is not a good measure um so i do think that um there uh, that the measurement uh, for pr professionals still needs to be fixed um i know for now we're just using um reach as our sort of measurement so that means like looking at a website's uh, monthly uniques, looking at a YouTube channel subscribers, um, you know, and also asking our clients to give us access to their Google Analytics because that is still an area that I believe will showcase the efficacy of a PR campaign. So, like for example, if we were to get coverage for a particular client and in the article uh they hyperlink to our client's homepage then we can show the client the connecting of the dots between here's the announcement, here's the coverage that we secured for you, and then here is the referral traffic from that publication back to the client homepage.
0: Gotcha. And then I mean Even going off of that, is the tech not really there yet? I mean, I know Google is now transferring over to GA4, which is their new type of thing. Will will that stuff, plus maybe even Web3's blockchain, will that help with maybe helping the the measurement conundrum? Because I feel like we're still using old tech to figure out how to do this stuff.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's, and I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I've been in this game for about 20 plus years and measurement still hasn't been fixed. Um, so, as someone who works in technology, I still uh, hold out belief for innovation that something down the road might come up and will help solve that measurement problem.
0: Hmm. I mean, is this is just going off the top of my head? Is there something else that we could actually look at? Maybe it is a holistic view of maybe looking at the ad reach, maybe looking at the GA or the Google analytics and maybe looking at maybe even YouTube stats and then eventually podcasting stats too, if you're doing all that other stuff, is there something to like get a better picture or are we just not there yet for figuring out?
1: I think we're almost there. So a number of our clients are in the ad tech space. So measurement um, and advertising is a topic that continues to be covered by the news and the one argument that they always bring up i was just actually in new york a couple weeks ago for advertising week and i remember attending one of the panels and it was brought up or resurfaced that um measurement nirvana when it comes to advertising is making sure that you're reaching the right person at the right place at the right time so like for example You know, you could be watching Hulu and maybe in your household, you have just one Hulu account and then you have a family, but you're watching a particular program and then you get some advertising that you're like, that doesn't, you know, this isn't relevant to me. So, you know, I think using that premise about like right person, right place, right time, um, how do we sort of transfer that to a PR standpoint? Um, because you know, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of different channels, but how are you effectively reaching your target audience at the right time?
0: Hmm. Gotcha. And then for the, I mean, the smaller PR firms, how can they actually figure out their own formulas for this? Because I'm pretty because PR agencies have to figure out their value for each company. So, is there kind of like a method of like at least giving like a big picture to their clients of like, look, this is where this is how well you're doing on YouTube, this is how well you're doing on the reach for your ads, this is how well you're doing on the reach from press because I mean, earned is always valuable too. Is there like some type of thing PR agencies or at least the small ones can do that aren't too like expensive for buying all those interesting tech measurements?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I, so I'm part of the PRSA counselors Academy and it's a group comprised of like, um, agency owners and principals. Um, and I think the other day someone posted a message about like, Hey, what are you all using for measurement? Some people are talking about melt water. Um, we use critical mention talk Walker, um, and um, Google Alerts um, from a monitoring standpoint. But when you're looking at you know, these other platforms, and most of them are from a social standpoint, um, it doesn't really transfer over uh, to what we're looking to achieve from a PR standpoint. So usually when we work with clients at the onset, We'll say provided that we're getting all the necessary materials and assets that we uh, can leverage to be successful, then we'll say like, you know, in six months time, we will increase your uh, awareness um, in terms of monthly uniques by X percent, because that's a way where we can tangibly measure like and calculate all the different monthly uniques for all the publications that um, we pitch to and and get some coverage for. Um, You know, I think from like a thought leadership visibility standpoint, you know, we'll take a look at like what they've gotten before we started working with them and say by six months, we'll get you X amount of secured bylines placed, Um, stuff like that. But I think it goes back to like finding a platform or a system that will provide us with tangible data that we can show clients. Like, here's the measurement and the KPIs that we're looking at, and here's the delta uh, between the first day we started working to, to now.
0: Gotcha. So it's, yeah, it's basically a before and after type of a thing. Here's where you were, here's where you are right now. Yep. And this is how much we've done for you, or this is how much reach or this is how much awareness or whatever your actual campaign goals are. Yep. Gotcha. And then are, are there any two, are there any mediums or future mediums that are going to be good for awareness campaigns? Cause I know a lot of times PR pros are about awareness because you got you to gotta make sure that people know what your company is. You know I mean, yep. we're not all, we're not all apples. We're not all Microsofts, Googles, and Amazons. So are there any mediums that are actually better for the future of awareness campaigns? Are there going to be like TikToks or like what, what what whatever thing that you can think of?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. So the, the one thought I have is that I think there's going to be more platforms, um, that are going to compete against like uh, Harrow, uh, the popular helper reporter out. Um, So you're seeing quoted, um, but I do think there's an opportunity for um, more platforms to compete against Harrow. Um, I know firsthand we've come across um, uh, an increase of uh, journalists and, and writers who... Um, are letting us know like here are the stories that I'm gonna be writing about. you know, if you have anything, just you know, feel free to pitch me. Um, but we're you know so we're starting to see like 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 contributors um, let us know like what are their stories that are coming up directly. but you know, we also um have come across a a platform um, that also does something similar to Harrow and Quoted and, and be able to say, hey, if you pay us a fee, we'll give you uh, this um, ongoing list of upcoming stories that we're also curating from our um, you know, contacts. So I do think that there's going to be an increase in more platforms that are competing against Harrow and Quoted to offer us PR pros more options to uncover those upcoming articles and columns. Um, I do think also that, um, you know, we're going to be seeing more uh, publications uh, begin to uh, uh, sort of gate their uh, uh, ability to offer uh, publication of byline articles. So like Forbes has their councils um, uh, Entrepreneur has their leadership where I think you pay like $1,000 a year uh, and then be able to get access to their CMS platform. Uh, Fast Company is another publication that started to um, pay for access to their um, CMS platform. So I do think there's an opportunity for other publications to go to that, um, which isn't really earned media, but it's just part of the world that we're living in. And I think all of this is happening because of the economic downturn. I think businesses are just looking for like ways to recoup their uh, uh potential losses. Um um but uh but those are the top line um mediums that I can think of.
0: It's also just the journalism industry has shrunk so much that they're just trying to find other revenue models besides subscription services because I don't think everybody's gonna be lining up to pay for those. Yeah. But I mean, are PR pros starting to actually pitch more to YouTubers and podcasters now? Are you seeing an uptick in this? Are we going to see a future of just more of this happening
1: for a while? I think think you're going to see more and more PR teams just accept the fact that there is this new landscape of YouTubers and podcasts. And to make sure that their teams are pitching these channels. Um, I think every day there's like a new podcast that's um, uh, launching. Um, But I, but I think this is an exciting opportunity for us PR professionals because it gives us more um, uh, outlets to, to look at that, that that we can then pitch to our clients. Um, And, and, and I would also add that even our clients have even asked us, can you focus more of your attention on pitching podcasts? So, um, I think, um, as we go into the new year, I think we're just going to see more and more PR teams, both in-house and agencies sort of just accept the fact that we need to pitch our clients to these channels.
0: Gotcha. And then do you have any tips for actually pitching podcasts? I know we're on a podcast, but do you have any p- <laughs> tips for pitching to a podcaster? Because it's a little different from pitching to a YouTuber as well. Yep. So do you have any tips for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to learn, um, but our team feels good as far as um, the pitches that we've crafted. So the one thing that we've learned is that you got to listen to these podcasts. You have to pay attention and sort of like make it super personalized um, in each note. Um, And then also just, make it very casual. Say, Hey, you know, do you happen to have room? Um, You know, we want to offer up so-and-so, so-and-so can talk about A, B, and C. Um, And, and also, I think the most important thing is to also add a line that, you know, if we were to get invited, uh, we will, you know, for sure make a point to share the interview across social uh, because that's also part of the, The game that I guess we're all playing. Um, And, um, but it's good to make sure that uh, you highlight that, yeah, you know, we will make a point to share the interview if we get invited. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think we're still looking at best practice. I actually do like a monthly lunch and learn with my team um, at the end of each month. And for October, it was about podcasts. So, um, just looking at different uh, resources online. Um, and But all of them has been pretty much the same as far as like making sure that your pitch is very informal, that you p- pay attention to the episodes that are uh, being published um, and being able to personalize uh, your pitches as best as possible. And and also make a point to um, let the, the contact know that that you're, you're definitely going to be able to share the interview through social.
0: Gotcha. And are the YouTubers and podcasters going to be basically the future of journalism or the new journalism? Because it's a small nimble type of a thing. And one person can almost do it all through YouTubing and podcasting.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, the um, you know, I look at the sort of like the creators, like on YouTube and especially on podcasts, I think um, I've always heard that YouTube is like the biggest search engine. Um, but I do think they're both YouTube and podcast presents um, a new sort of landscape for clients to be able to get that awareness and to build their um, thought leadership but, um, but from a news standpoint, I'm not sure. Um, I, think, um, I, think, I think the traditional news publications are viewed upon in a certain way. And I believe that YouTubers and podcasts are viewed upon in a certain way. So um, I'm not sure if uh, podcasts or YouTubes would be looked at as a go-to source for news. Um, I think it's more for um, other uh, aspects like um, Q&As or product reviews. Um, And I think like the traditional media publications are going to continue to be looked at for like hard news.
0: Gotcha. And I mean, almost moving into like TikTok, because TikTok is the big thing for I guess, Gen Z, Gen Z basically is Google is TikTok for Gen Z. So is that going to be an interesting thing for PR pros in the future or in the really short term future? Are we going to have to look into actually like figuring out how to optimize search for TikTok and specifically for TikTok?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean. You know, I mean, I see the data about TikTok and how popular it is with the Gen Z millennial crowd. And I know like a couple of my team members are in that demo and they've told me that while they don't create TikTok videos, they mostly use it for consumption. Um, And I just think that. uh, TikTok definitely for sure could be a place for not for original reporting, but for amplifying the news from these other traditional media publications. Um, I think um, just the reach and scale of TikTok, um, I think it's just so much better um, uh, from an appeal standpoint versus like, you know, Instagram or Snap. Um, But I do see a lot of great, potential and movement for TikTok when it comes to amplifying news and um, and perhaps being looked at more from, um, you know, maybe in the same vein as like a podcast or YouTuber, where perhaps, you know, people will just send a, a pitch to a TikToker and say, hey, you know, can you do a, an interview or a Q&A or chat with my client? So I think there's some potential there.
0: question for you what is your big pet peeve that you want to see gone from pr in 2023
1: okay and i think this is something that also has gone back to when i first started working 20 plus years ago but um i would like to see and this is something that I have probably said before in passing conversation with some of my PR friends, but, you know, the importance of making sure that you're pitching the right people. Um, you know, I hear from reporters from time to time, like, Oh, here's another bad pitch, you know, from somebody who doesn't know what I cover. Um, so the goal or the hope here is, you know, from a pet peeve standpoint that, you know, I hope that, um, you know, we minimize the number of bad pitches are going to the wrong media contacts.
0: And so with that, I mean, it seems like for PR pros to do the wrong pitch to the wrong journalist, it seems like a lot of them just don't know that they've left. And so how do you like minimize that to actually make sure that you get to the right person and not the wrong person. No, I don't like, think they oh, are. Dang, but I also do know I'm that doing a lot of PR teams
1: have media lists. I would argue the point that the media list probably isn't updated as often as possible. So I know for our team here, uh, we, rate, we really make it a point to make sure that every day that we try to make sure that our lists are updated as much as possible, especially before our team does any kind of like proactive media pitching. Um, We always want to make sure, uh, and we do this through a number of different ways through like daily media monitoring, just following the news. We have certain search terms that we start to catalog uh, for some results for our clients that helps us sort of give us, a good, uh, viewpoint and, and insights to the, the contacts, uh, whether they're on staff or contributors who we should look to add to our client's media list.
0: Gotcha. And then where can people find you online?
1: Sure. Uh, we're at www.jmacpr.com on Twitter. You could look me up at johnny j-o-h-n-n-y underscore m-a-c and then you could just look for me on linkedin john mccartney Mac pr
0: all right any final thoughts for listeners
1: no i feel like um i love this industry i love the work that we're doing i love the impact that we are making on behalf of our clients um and i think with The popularity of TikTok and podcasts and YouTubers, I think that presents itself some new opportunities for us as PR professionals. Um, And also, I think that everyone should go for their APR. I think it's a great journey. um, And it's something that uh, not a lot of people have. I mean, if you're looking at the big picture here, but... Um, if you're able to get your accreditation, I think that's just such a great career goal.
0: All right. Well, thank you, John, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge on measurement, on basically pitching podcasts and YouTubers and every, everything else in between.
1: Thank you, Brett, for having me on again.
0: And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 and you all your favorite podcasting apps with a five star review. Let's get up to that number one spot in the business category. But as always, join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding your measurements, your journalists, and try to see if you can get the APR as well. And see you next week. Later.